I didn't take it as hard as a lot of fans. I'm actually excited that it's going to widen the fan base. No, I love my team, so I'm excited about what's to come. Even though the name has changed, it doesn't change, you know, what we've built here. We are stewarding not just a logo, but we are stewarding people's cherished memories, and they should be present in our new identity. I, I do get why we're changing the name. I like that we didn't just rush into some generic name. This is going to be the name going forward, hopefully forever. This is President Jason Wright, and you're listening to Ramblin' About Washington. Welcome on to the show, YouTube Washington football creator, GOAT, my guy, Louis T from the Louis T Network channel. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Here to talk burgundy and gold with my guy, Rio. So let's get it in, man. Let's talk about the burgundy and gold and what they doing up. And you already know something's going on. There's something always going on here and there's always Always. something to talk about, man. Hey, do you, are you active on Twitter like that? I am, man. I think more so on Twitter than any other social platform. Hey, um, don't, I'm don't on be, Twitter a ton. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest being too active on there because it can be real. It can get real crazy on Washington football Twitter. Like it could become a cesspool yeah. at times. Like we literally just had some guys bully the head coach into thanking them for some goddamn boxing glove. But we're not even going to go there right now, man. What's yeah. up with you, man? How you feeling going into this season right now? <laughs> I'm feeling good, man. I, I'm more encouraged and enthused about this season than I have been uh, any Washington season I can remember. Probably, I think I've said this on multiple occasions, this is the most excited I've been for a season since probably 2016. I was really excited for that season. Oh, yeah, and we put up offensive numbers that year, and it just feels like the whole outfit has finally come together here. Like, there was always, like, a missing piece or – we're not on the same page at some level of the organization and things are finally coming together here. So let me hear your Washington football fan story. How did it start? What got you into the game? Was it a certain player family and what's kept you loyal and here after all these years of not glory? Cause you know, we didn't get to see the glory days. So what's kept you here and loyal to this team for so long? Uh, well, my story isn't, anything grandiose is nothing unique or special literally i was born in va uh, obviously where i was born that we did not have a team so washington was on the tv all the time mm-hmm. so that's how i became a washington fan honestly every single sport the, the team that i like except for one uh, it basically came from me seeing them more than any other team and that's how I became a fan of that team. So Washington is no different in that regard. As far as the loyalty is concerned, I mean, that's just my nature. I'm, I'm a I'm a loyal guy. Uh, I love it. Um, ten toes down, day one. And uh, it's been rough. I'm not going to lie to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'd be lying to you if I sat here and told you that it was always fun. But at the end of the day, I mean, th- these are my boys. This this is who I roll with. And uh, it's going to be that way till it's over. So, um, th- I mean, I can't uh, I couldn't imagine rooting for another team, period. It's- same. I like that's why I like with this whole name discussion thing. Like, I don't care what you name this goddamn team. The colors right. aren't going anywhere. But even if the colors left, I'm still here because this is my squad. Yeah. This is all I know. I don't know what it would feel like to root for another team. Like this is squad to the end of me. But you've you've amassed a large following on YouTube, man. You put out great mm-hmm. content and you even touch on things outside of the Washington football team, which I love because. I know we obsess over this team. There's other things to talk about, other sports and other interesting topics. I love the leftover segment you do, by the way. That shit is great every time. But what got you into creating content? Like, what put you in the creative process to start recording your thoughts daily? So um, I've always wanted to to do something in this medium. And honestly, I, I wanted to be an athlete. I mean, who didn't? Who didn't grow up wanting to be an athlete? We all did. Right. (laughs) So so once that dream pretty much got squashed, I was like, okay. I watched my mom, and I I tell this story all the time, 
So my first move was to go to law school. So I was studying to go to law school and I, I kind of got a rude awakening. Uh, my dad lives across the street from Commonwealth attorney and he pretty much read me my rights essentially. And it showed me that the path that I was on wasn't going to lead to anything fruitful, more likely than not. And so I've been having all these ideas for years about what I wanted to do. And the biggest thing to drive me was I wanted to be happy. You know, I always talk about this when I start getting deep and I try not to get too deep because it goes over people's heads, but (laughs) you know, life is all about being happy. You know, what truly brings you joy in life? And I watched my mom work a job. She didn't want to work for 26 years. And I said, I I know one thing, I don't want to do that. So what do what can I do for the rest of my life that I will enjoy doing every single day and won't feel like I'm working? And talking about football in particular, sports is cool, but I don't love all the other sports like I love football. You know, I, I enjoy basketball. I enjoy baseball. Same. Uh, but I don't love them like I do football. So the one thing I could see myself doing every day and, and the one sport that is yearly, I mean, uh, seriously, 365 days is the NFL. It, tur- it wasn't always this way. It's nope. turned into that probably over the last decade or so. But, and that, uh, you know, that's funny because it coincides with when I started. I've been doing this for nine years now, almost going on 10. And when I first got in the game, I went to this conference at um, Hampton University. It was a ODU Hampton um, kind of, uh, conference and it was really supposed to be for HBCUs. So it was at Hampton and uh, ESPN had a bunch of anchors going around uh, on a tour to HBCUs kind of trying to, you know, talk to all of the, the uh, minorities about breaking into the industry and what you had to do, things of that nature. And I had all these ideas about shows and things and I kept making excuses as to why I couldn't start. No, I don't have a camera. Oh, my microphone is t- uh, garbage, this, that, and third and i went to that conference and i'm seeing dudes is like 18 19 and they way ahead of the game and i'm like yo bro what are you doing you like 27 (laughs) you like 26 27 whatever i was at the time 23 24 i'm like you wasting time it's kids over here going to junior olympics over in you know london and stuff and you Mm -hmm. over here complaining about a mic and a camera like what you waiting on so after i left that event i literally went home that night and the next day I started and it's been, you know, pretty much been this crazy journey ever since. That's crazy. And that's mad relatable to me, too, because I've been meaning to start a channel and a podcast for years. Like my wife's sister, my sister-in-law, she's been nudging me. You have all these sports thoughts you have all the you're so active on social media what the hell are you waiting for it was always something different oh i don't have the time i don't have a mm-hmm. mic i don't have a computer uh, i don't have what mm-hmm. i want i'm I only want to start it if it's perfect but no one day i was just right. like i'm tired of doing this shit that i'm doing i'm gonna be 30 in october and right. I started a family at a very young age. So my 20s have been working job after job that I do not like, but it's what you got to do to get the family taken care of. But in my 30s, I want to go for it. Like you, I wanted to be an athlete, but running my mouth was always my best asset. So at the same time, I wanted to be in some type of medium where I could just talk about the shit that I love every day. So that's right. why I'm getting into all of this. Uh, I started my podcast in March and now mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on YouTube and I have so many ideas for vlogs and for different collaboration type mm-hmm. things. And this creative space is this is awesome. And I'm so glad to see that we have such a deep Washington football team community in this. And you are one mm-hmm. of the leaders at the forefront of it. We appreciate you, brother, and what you do for this community. I appreciate y'all, man. Like I said, the the, the feeling is definitely mutual and reciprocated because without y'all, uh, I cease to exist in terms of what I do. So uh, nobody wants to be doing videos and stuff and nobody's watching. You know what I mean? They Hell just yeah. go quick. You know what I mean? You put in all of that work and you look up and you got 27 views. It, that gets old quick. So uh, it would, I wouldn't be where I'm at without you guys. So like I said, that's reciprocated for sure. It's awesome, man. Hell yeah. And I feel you on that. That's why I haven't did my first live yet. I'm trying to stack some subs up first. You know, I ain't trying yeah. to be in there talking to myself. 
But yeah, well, I'll tell you what, though, <laughs> um, to be honest with you, you find your niche, you find your pocket. You know, everybody is different and whatever is best for you. You know, sometimes you'd be surprised, but you going live. People just sitting around, ain't got nothing to do. It ain't just nothing going on. on. They see you live, they jump on, and next thing you know, you just gained a couple of subs that way. Because they they wouldn't have found you other than they just were, you know, perusing YouTube and they saw that mm-hmm. this channel was live and they talking about their favorite team. So they jumped on and, oh, this dude pretty dope. So even though you may think you don't have enough subs to go live, sometimes that's that's how you gain subs. That's right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. But let's get to the shits, man. Washington football team making the brand yesterday. Episode three. Shout out to the team for letting me be a part of that, by the way. They've they've pretty much come down and said that there's three names that are in the finalists for the new Washington football team identity. What do you mm-hmm. think those three names are? And what were your biggest takeaways from that video dropped yesterday? I don't know what any of the names are. I'm not going to even try to speculate. I do <laughs> think Red Wolves is one of the names, though, surprisingly. So somebody sent me something on uh, Twitter. I want to say it was about a good month ago. Maybe it was IG. Somebody DM me. And it was a video of Ron talking to a reporter from somewhere. I think it was like a local reporter. Annie Agar. Uh, might have been. Cart? In the, in the yes. golf cart. Yeah. Yes. Because uh, she's the one that does all the NFL impressions mm-hmm. and things of that nature, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's funny. So uh, he's talking to her. And she asked him about, you know, which name he likes the most. And he says, kind of just, you know, throwaway line. Yeah, I kind of like Red Wolves, you know. Uh, I think that's been gaining a lot of steam. And I don't, and, you know, we try to make it seem like Ron's not, you know, in tune to what's going on. He's a part of this process. You know what I mean? It's crazy to think that a coach (laughs) who may not be here, you know, 10, 15 years from now, we don't know what Ron's future is. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if we go off of Daniel Snyder's track record, he's not going to be here, you know, 10 years from now. So it's a part of this process, but I think Ron knows a little something and him saying that, I don't know. I don't think he would have said it. So I, this, I keep going back and forth. I don't think he would have said it if this, that was going to be the name, right? Like you don't throw that out there if you think that's going to be the name. But at the same time, you know, he was asked a question. He gave an honest answer. So I don't know. I think it's in the mix, but he said something today at his presser that struck me as, Tell are odd, just a little <laughs> odd. So he said the name is going to represent, and again, it, it, it this could be very vague. It's it's very vague, but at the same time, if you read it in between the lines, he said it's a name that's going to represent Maryland, Virginia, and DC well. And I'm thinking to myself, what kind of a name could do that? Like it could have ties to all three. Uh, states so or dc and the other two states in the dmv area essentially so i contend and i've said this all along i think it's going to have something to do with like um like monuments or you know something you know whack like that (laughs) yeah something Um, patriotic (laughs) yeah something patriotic something something like that you know i I don't know what it's going to be i told you i i I checked out of the name game a long time ago (laughs) because much like yourself I don't really give a shit what the name of the team exactly. is, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I, like I said, as long as they don't name us the tampons or like, <laughs> something stupid like that, and they're not going to do that, right? So I'm okay. not worried. They're like, they're going to name us something. Whatever they name us, guess what? Everyone's going to have something to say about it. We're going to get we're going to get joked about it, and oh, you know, sure. we're going to be the butt of jokes. It doesn't matter what they name us. If we're Red yeah. Wolves, which is what a lot of people want, oh, y'all sound like an eighth grade JV team, or y'all sound like a Pop Warner team. Y'all, that's a kitty name. It's going to be a pushback either way. It doesn't matter what you name the team. So at this point, just name the damn team and let's move on. Oh yeah, and I honestly think they know the name already. They just trying oh, to get. Oh yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, it's cool. I've said that a long time ago. Yeah, it's, it's, cool to, it's cool to be a part of this process. It's fun, but they definitely know the name. That was definitely yeah. a script, a scripted ass thing at the end where they bleeped the yeah. names out too. They probably yeah. not even saying yeah. real yeah. words there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they. I've said this for at least the last two months running. Like they know the name. They've been knew the name. Mm. They've been what they've been doing because let, let's not fool ourselves. If they really were in the process of still choosing a name, you wouldn't be able to do the rollout next year. Exactly. Because you've got so many different things you have to get 
squared away before you can roll out a brand new brand. So there's no way they're still mulling over names at this point of the process. If you're telling us that next year, and we're not that far away from 2022. We're not at all. (laughs) That you're going to roll out a brand new name and you're going to start rolling everything out. They're dotting all their I's, crossing all the T's as we speak. That name has already been chosen. Oh, yeah. And I'd rather that that due diligence and that process checking all the boxes than what's happening in Cleveland right now, because these guys, the Cleveland Guardians, they done <laughs> picked the name of a damn roller derby team and they mm-hmm. filed the trademark like the same time they released it. And now they're mm-hmm. in court about it. And that's not yep. what you want to do when you pick your identity. And we want to roll it out in a little bit more grandiose, like yeah. exciting fashion. There's going to be something epic to it. But Let's get off the name discussion. What were your main takeaways from Thursday's preseason opener? I was really impressed with how well both first team units performed. I really liked the crispness of Fitz and his connection with the receivers. I didn't expect that timing to be that good so soon. You know, that pass to Terry on the second play of the game. Beautiful. That's a timing route. You know what I mean? He put that ball in a spot. Terry wasn't there yet. Terry just got his head around and that ball was there. And Terry had to reach out for it so he could run after the catch. Uh, That was beautifully executed. You know, if uh, Humphreys doesn't fall down, we convert that third down. You know what I mean? Um, And then I think the 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 run that they had that ended the first possession barber they did that on yeah yeah they <laughs> literally did that on purpose like okay we you know we running if you stop us you stop us if you don't you don't you know mm-hmm. so I, I really liked how they executed that throw to logan thomas was the, the most uh, beautiful throw of the night honestly from oh, any quarterback man. that we saw Ooh, back that shoulder was gorgeous back shoulder it was gorgeous so i thought fitz was was dialed in i thought the offensive line for the most part, did a really good job. And I thought, you know, there were some rush lanes early. Uh, they kind of went away as, as the game progressed for Gibby. But uh, all in all, offense looked good. The defense chased getting the, the strip sack, full force fumble, and uh, should have been scooped and scored. But, you know, know. Ron Payne couldn't make that happen. <laughs> and so um, just, you know, seeing them come out and do what they did defensively. Yeah, the, the Patriots after – the missed field goal got great field position and, and got into field goal position themselves. But I thought the defense was solid, man. I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. I think the, the, the outside of that though, the two biggest takeaways for me were um, Jared Patterson and Sammy's Reyes, because those two guys, I thought put themselves in a position. I thought both of those guys going into the game were on the outside looking in of the roster. I felt like after the game, both of those guys are on the inside. Now they're not secure, but they put their foot wedged in between the door and they went in and now they've got a chance to seriously make this football team. Oh yeah. And just off a quarterback play alone, just seeing Fitzpatrick, those two possessions, it's such a breath of fresh air. Like, I just looked, it's just two possessions of the first preseason game, but just seeing the timing, seeing the normal base level quarterback things, boxes being checked. I'm looking at back shoulder throws, timing routes, and I didn't see a bunch of check downs, you know, because mm-hmm. check down Jesus was here. Him and mm-hmm. Dwayne Askins were just stinking up the joint all year. <laughs> it's nice to see a three-step drop, balls out, and you know exactly where the ball's coming. I really wish Humphreys didn't slip on that first second possession because I think we would have took it right down the field on him. Offense was moving on all cylinders. And I'm not too concerned about the play like Jamin Davis. He had a rough, he had a rough go at it on his first game. It's his first time playing in an NFL game. I see people throw, oh, he's a bust. Oh, we should have drafted a quarterback. I, I understand. Watching all the rookie quarterbacks over the weekend, it did give me a little, oh man, we should have took one. But no, when I come back to realization for a second, I like what we've done and he's gonna be a good linebacker, man. What do you feel about Jamin's first game? Yeah, I thought he was solid after going back and watching it again. I thought he was Solid. And I had the same thought process that I did when I was watching it live after going back and watching it again. I compared my notes from watching the game live to watching it over again. And I wrote down the same thing again. Like he's just thinking too much. And that's what you expect from a young linebacker. They put a lot on his plate. Ron has said over and over again, 
We taught this kid all three positions, and then we really wanted him to master middle linebacker. And so there's a lot of nuance that goes into that position in particular because you're the leader of the defense, essentially, when you're the middle linebacker. It's your job to get everybody lined up. They're calling the plays a lot of times into your helmet. Normally, the middle linebacker has the green dot. So you've got to get everybody lined up. You've got to get acclimated to the speed of the game. you got to figure out where you belong. you got to figure out where your run fits are. Is this play action fake? Is it a run or is it a pass? Where do I go? It's a lot going on in that kid's brain in his first ever NFL game. And I thought he actually was really solid after going back and watching. The game's going to slow down for him eventually, but it's moving at a very rapid rate of speed right now. And that's okay. That's normal. But, uh, you know, a lot of people, they don't have patience. They want everything now. We live in a society in a day and age now where instant gratification gratification. is everything that's what yeah. people and, and social media kind of help foster that you know because we get our news every second if something happens mm-hmm. it's around the, the country within seconds so people want instant gratification they're, they're not patient in, anymore so i'm not surprised i had to catch myself because i found myself getting upset listening to some people and i said what are you what am i doing i know better than that <laughs> for sure that. it's definitely overreaction season and yeah the instant gratification thing Sometimes I just feel like we have too much access at the palm of our hand. Like there was a once upon a time where you had to go find these. You had to go find this information. You had to go build relationships. Now everything you could do, you got it in your pocket at one time. And I feel like it's kind of clouded the world and how we communicate and stuff. But one thing that you communicate very well that a lot of fans need to understand is what Ron's plan is here, man. You're the Ron's plan series. You be speaking the gospel. I'll be sitting here like, yes, this is what's happening here. Cause well, every time a player is released cut or we don't make a certain move, it's the same crowd bitching about the same things. Mm-hmm. We cut Calvin Harmon and you would mm-hmm. think we cut the second coming of Jerry Rice because People are the Kelvin Harmon cult. I don't know why it exists, but apparently wide receiver six is going to make or break this team this year. Hmm. What did you think of the Kelvin Harmon and Greg Stroman cut? So obviously this is so I took psychology in college. I was a minor in psychology. So I took a lot of psychology courses. So these are the kinds of things that I look at when, because it's human nature. All it is, is when you don't have a lot, you clutch and hold on to the little that you do have. We didn't have a lot of talent in Washington. So anybody that had any promise, the fan base sort of gravitated towards those players. Kelvin Harmon was one of the few guys in 2019 when we were awful that actually showed promise. So he was one of the guys everybody latched onto and said, hey, he's going to be a part of the future. You just wait and see. You know, Terry McLaurin and, and, uh, and Kelvin Harmon and Dwayne Haskins and all of these guys, you're going to see they're going to usher in the new wave. <laughs> yep, Stephen Sims Jr. All of these guys are going to help usher in the new wave of Washington football team football. And what happened was he got injured. And I told everybody once he got hurt. Ron made it abundantly clear when he got here. I don't know any of these dudes. I'm not giving out any extensions to anybody because I don't know how none of y'all move. So what we're going to do is we're going to see this year what all of y'all are about. All of the people that I feel like can get in the car and ride, they're going to get in the car and we're going to ride. The rest of y'all, we're going to leave y'all on the side. All right, Y'all going to have to catch the bus. So what happened was, he got rid of all of the guys, the Quinn Dunbars, the Trent Williams, all the guys that didn't want to be here. Okay. They <laughs> had Dun- to go. <laughs> Ask Dunbar how he feels about that. <laughs> uh, exactly. I said, man, uh, uh, one, a wise man once said that uh, it was a foobar. Well, you know, we, we had a foobar. <laughs> I said, Dunbar is making a foobar out of his damn sure. career right now. For sure. But um, Ron came in and he didn't, he wasn't hasty in giving out extensions or anything. He wanted to see what everybody was about. And once he did that, that's when he started to make moves. And unfortunately, Kelvin Harmon missed out on that window of opportunity because he got hurt. So he wasn't able to play. And that that forced them to feel like, okay, we need to find another big target. So they had already drafted AGG before he got injured. It's not like they drafted AGG because he got injured. Mm-hmm. They'd already drafted him. So it was already going to be competition. But Harmon was supposed to be ahead of the game because he was already here. 
So, you know, by him missing that year, Ron didn't really get to know him. Hey, and, and Harmon already, and this is the thing that everybody forgets, is Harmon was a six-round pick. A sixth-round like, pick. He, Say it again. <laughs> Harmon was a sixth-round pick. It's not like teams were <laughs> salivating over this dude and dying to get their hands on him. You know, we got him because he wasn't very fast. He did not separate in college. And so there were a lot of things to like, but there were also a lot of things not to like about Kelvin Harmon. Thanks. And at the at the end of the day, you miss all this time. We got all these receivers now. We got a log jam receiver. And all of these guys bring something to the table. And really, you don't bring enough. So you got to go. And, and you know, the, the, the fans that were up in arms are the same people that were up in arms about Morgan Moses. You know, it's the same people that were mad that um, Kyle Smith wasn't retained. The same people that wanted Kevin O'Connell as the offensive coordinator AP. last year. <laughs> it, it, uh, it, it's, it, it's the same people. You know what I mean? When you don't have anything, you hold on to the little that you do have. And so I, I didn't have any issues with it. I saw it coming a mile away after. Who Me didn't too. see it coming after the depth chart? When that, ju- mm-hmm. when that depth chart was released and Kelvin Harmon was like sixth. Yeah. yeah okay uh, yeah yeah he's he's done he's, <laughs> and, and then i what confirmed it for me was the preseason game the brother didn't get into the fourth quarter i mean if that don't tell you all you need to know then i don't know what else is going to tell you that so at the end of the day uh stro i thought stro was gone last year i was shocked that stro was still hanging around this year so i was just happy yeah. that stro was still here Honestly, so, you yeah, would forget that he's on the roster sometimes. It's easy to. I, like I said, I didn't even know he was still on the roster until somebody told me like six months ago, like, yeah, we still got Stro. I said, we got Stro. I had to go look it up. <laughs> oh, man, Stro is still here. What up, Stro? Good for him. So, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't know, man. I, I had no clue. So we just need to trust the process. If there's one thing Ron showed us in his first year is he knows how to evaluate talent because we hated the Ronald Darby and Logan Thomas sign. Oh, Logan Thomas only is did this in his career as a tight end. This dude comes in and looks like the real deal. And they, he told us off rip, he's a number one tight end. And it sounded bad at first, but trust the process. We finally have decision makers here in place that know football. These are football guys all over the place. And now the business is not coinciding with the football guys. It's split and they're doing their part. So... Be a part of Ron's plan. Trust the process. And I hate that cliche, but just trust the process. And we're going to move forward because we're going to be a good team this year. What do you, what, what's your season prediction this year looking like? What you, how good can we be this year? So um, I this, the ceiling is extremely high, but it all really kind of surrounds the quarterback position. Honestly, how far we go is going to be predicated on how much production we get out of the quarterback position. Honestly, I mean, I don't know how good this defense is going to be. I think, honestly, I think we could take a step back statistically, defensively, and I would feel really good if we still performed at a high level because we're playing much better competition this year. So I expect the defensive numbers to not be as good as they were last season. And I still will feel good about the defense because I know who we're playing against. I'm no fool. So I understand the defense is going to be solid. Um, I I also feel like we've got more weaponry offensively. We've got enough to score way more than we scored last year, which isn't saying much. We didn't score anything last year. So I, I just look at it simply as if Ryan Fitzpatrick or a combination of Fitzpatrick and Heineke or God forbid we got to go all the way to Kyle, Kyle Allen, <laughs> even though I know he's capable, but I don't want to I don't want to play three quarterbacks this year. But I, if we could find a way to get some steady production out of the quarterback position we'll have a shot this year to win double digit games but again it's all really predicated on the performance of the quarterback position to be honest all of it all of it really is it comes down to the quarterback because the way we put this roster together we've amassed so much young talent depth in most positions that Mm -hmm. the only real glaring hole on the team is the quarterback position we got to see what the tackles do and what the linebacker room Mm -hmm. shapes up to be but there is one glaring hole we're gonna see I think Fitzpatrick's in a position he's in a swag right now where he feels like with this team around me I can show some things that I've not been able to show in other places and He's the vet. He's already won over the locker room. He's the clear QB one. I know the Heineke story is fun. Mm -hmm. It's really fun. And that playoff game, 
We're always going to have that. That shit was entertaining and the best quarterback play we saw here in a long time. But I think people are starting to, like, forget that him and Kyle Allen, they're kind of the same guy. They're like the Spider-Man meme where they're pointing to each other. Mm. That's what Taylor <laughs> Heineke and Kyle Allen are. They're the same guy. and But we get lost after that playoff game. I think that Heineke's on this level that he he's not. <laughs> they're on the same level. They're both going to be journeyman, undrafted quarterbacks that have an affinity with the, the co- they do something that the coaches love because they're like their stepchildren and they're going to yeah. be kept around here for the process. But our- so let me, I'm going to piggyback off of that for a second. So with the quarterbacks, the reason why they, they love them is because they know their system and they can run it. You know, mm-hmm. a, a lot of times with coordinators, Anywhere they go, whether they're a coordinator and they go somewhere else or they get a head coaching job, you usually see them bring one of those uh, journeyman quarterbacks with them, a guy that's comfortable in their system, because not only is that guy going to be able to teach other guys the system, but if something should go awry, that guy can step in and he knows that I, I can still run my stuff. My offense can still run, even though it may not be at the level of a, an elite quarterback. This guy's going to be able to get the job done. But it's funny that you bring up the Heineke and Allen thing because uh, on the surface, they do look quite similar to one another. Uh, Allen has a little bit more accolades because he was at one point the number one high school you know, rated quarterback mm-hmm. in the nation. And he's a much bigger guy. Heineke's, you know, much smaller. Right. Allen looks like an NFL quarterback, whereas Heineke, you know, looks like someone that should be teaching somebody how to play quarterback. <laughs> but at the same time, I think why people get excited about Heineke is because we haven't seen it. You know what I'm saying? Small sample size. And what you have seen, he's been really good. Whereas Mm -hmm. Kyle Allen, we've seen enough of that to feel like we know how that movie ends. Mm -hmm. But with Heineke, there's still this, what if, you know, what if he gets a chance to play? What if he gets a a real Mm -hmm. opportunity to start? What could he actually do? And people are going to hold on to that until he proves them wrong. You've heard the you've heard the cliche before, you know the the every, the the fans' favorite player is always the backup quarterback. Oh, always, especially here, yeah. especially here. So until <laughs> that guy gets on the field and and wets the bed, and then shit changes real quick. Oh yeah, it's like we just haven't seen enough of the movie yet. We're still in Act One on Taylor Heineke, and we're like midway through Act Two with Kyle Allen, so we forget that they could be like the exact same guy. But we have that playoff game to live on, though. But speaking of quarterbacks, let's leave the team for a second. The rookie quarterbacks mm-hmm. made their preseason debuts this week. How do you think they fared, and who do you think performed the best out of them? So I thought all of them did, you know, certain things well. One thing that was a common theme across the entire grid of those quarterbacks, with the exception of Mac Jones, is that they took a bunch of sacks. My goodness. I mean, Trey Lance was sacked four times. I think Trevor Lawrence was sacked three times, if not definitely twice. I know that uh, Justin Fields, I think his mobility helped him out, but he was sacked as well. And uh, Zach Wilson, I think, took a sack, too. I think he might have even taken two sacks, one on the fourth down. Yeah, one on the fourth down. So at the end of the day, uh, I thought that all of them were good in their own right. Uh, uh, Justin Fields was very impressive after a slow start, even though, like I said, I talked about this on my podcast. You would have thought that this kid was out there just flawless. But he was really good, man. Showed off the the legs, um, showed the ability to throw the football accurately. Uh, had a nice boot uh, throw, you know, throwback to the mm-hmm. tight end wide open for a touchdown. He did a lot of good things. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think he led a two-minute drive that resulted in a field goal right before the half. I thought he was he was really good. Trey Lance had that one eighty-yard bomb, yeah. but it wasn't much after, after that. that <laughs> yeah, no, nah, not at all. I mean, he really simmered down after that, and and you know that that's what you get from these young quarterbacks. They they make splash plays, wild plays, and then they show you that they're a rookie. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think of all of those guys, I was most impressed with. Now, obviously, it's just one game, but I think I was most impressed with um, Mac Jones and um, my guy Justin Fields. I think those were the two that that stood out in the first game. Now, again, I, I still think well, ultimately, when it's all said and done, uh, Zach Wilson number one, uh, Trevor Lawrence mm. number two. And then uh, Trey Lance. And it could easily be Trey Lance, too. I really like his skill set. And I think that's the perfect fit. You asked me who was the best fit for where they were taken. 
I, I tell you without any hesitation, Trey Lance Trey going Lance. to San Francisco. Yeah. Yep. In that offense with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, that he, that's definitely the best fit. Kyle's an offensive genius. I've seen him like the year before we drafted RG3, when we had the, the Beck Grossman experiment. <laughs> the one thing I will say is Kyle had Jabbar Gaffney and them running wide the hell open the whole season. We just didn't have a quarterback to get the ball to him. That's one thing he could do. That boy can call some goddamn offense, man. I mean, hell, we had Ryan Terrain out here running <laughs> like his mind was going bad, man. Stop playing, man. Hell Stop yeah. playing. Yeah, Alfred Morris come in with no moves and no speed running for yeah. 1,500 off rip, man. Yeah. That's yeah. A, it's offensive genius, but look, I promise, like, I am I got all the receipts for people on Mac Jones. I'm trying to tell people he's going to have a long, prosperous career. He wants it. The passion's there. He's going to put all the work in. He's a perfectionist, and he's poised as hell. I think he's just as ready as Trevor Lawrence to start from day one and look right and, like, look decent and look the part immediately. Trevor Lawrence obviously is more talented than him, but Mac Jones has great touch. He has just enough – he has just enough arm. And I, I heard you say it, too. His posture and the way that he stands in that pocket and his movements, if you if you blink a little bit, you know what I'm saying? You think you see number 12 back there. You It looks like Brady. Yes, he had that stupid body. People can't get over the fact that he has a dad bod. That's why people don't like Mac Jones. He's going to be a baller, man. I'm telling people he's going to be a baller. That's going to be his job. So. I, I felt like he was the most NFL-ready of all the quarterbacks. So, you know, that that – it's not surprising. I, I don't think he'll get the the week one nod. I think they'll roll with Cam initially. But you know, once if Cam falters or he struggles, Mac Jones will be ready to to go in there, and uh, I think he'll, he'll take over from there. But I, I've always said that he was the most NFL ready. Doesn't mean he's the most talented, obviously, but he's the, he was the most NFL ready of those quarterbacks. Yep, I agree. I agree. A lot of people don't agree, but yeah, I got, re- I, like I said, I got receipts. I'm ready to take my victory lap when Mac Jones is out here <laughs> looking like hey, a franchise if, if you're right, you got to make sure they know you were right. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And if I'm wrong, <laughs> I will eat crow and I will gladly yeah. do so. But yeah. this taunting rule that the NFL is pushing right for this year, that shit has to go. I hope that shit goes as fast as the replacement refs do, because that's going to create some problems in game. They're mm-hmm. telling football players, gladiators, absolute monsters to play without emotion. This is not baseball. What do you feel about that? So I we've seen this before from the NFL. I, this is not <laughs> new. OK, so every time they want something done or they want to con- curtail something that they feel like is starting to get a little bit out of control. They put in some cockamamie rule like this and they, they make an example out of people in the preseason. They go over the top with it. Like I, I made an example on my show about, you know, remember when they wanted to stop people from using their helmet as a weapon. So what did they do? <laughs> they, they, they put in the, the spearing rule where you couldn't use the crown of your helmet, the crown of the helmet rule for the offensive players. Okay, they're going to start flagging people. And they start calling all these flags in the preseason. And we're like, oh, my God, this is crazy. You can call that on almost every play. It's natural for a person that's about to get hit to, to lower their head to adjust and brace for contact. Well, how many times have you seen that called in the regular season? <laughs> like, nope. I, I don't even know if I've ever seen that thing called in the regular season. And it's been a rule for like three, four years. So mm-hmm. I, we've we've been here before. They're going to, I think next week, I didn't even think they really called it. It was just that one call in the Colts game on a Sunday where there were no more games. That was the only <laughs> game on. So I got a lot of run. But I watched a bunch of games over the weekend where I thought they could have called it and they yep. didn't. So I think they're going to use discretion, but I think the NFL is going to get in these uh, officials' ears, um, you know, this week and say, look, man, we want y'all to throw these flags. Y'all see something that looks remotely close to time, throw it, because we want to we want to really um, get in their minds that, hey, if you do this, this is going to be the consequence. So I think you're going to see a lot of it. But I, I, I thought about the Steven Sims Jr. catch from our game right mm-hmm. before the half. He catches the football, he gets up. Drops the ball right in front yep. of the defender's, you know, <laughs> face and just let him know first down. And I was waiting for the flag. I was nervous. <laughs> it didn't come. And I was like, oh, okay. They let, I mean, 
really it's just it's subjective and again those are always the dicey ones i'm a black and white dude so anytime it's gray area things can get really really sketchy and um it's one of those subjective calls but i don't really think you're gonna see us be a big deal i really don't i hope not i really do hope not but yeah i'm pretty sure you're gonna do a preview of the next preseason game so we're not gonna get too much into it but since there's only three preseason games now Mm -hmm. Would this be viewed as the dress rehearsal, this week two game? Because I doubt we see anyone versus the Ravens next week. Or does that mindset change because of the new structure of the season? I think it changes. Ron kind of gave us a hint that because there's two weeks off between the last preseason game and the start of the regular season, that I think he's going to play a lot of these players now. I don't know if that'll be the dress rehearsal or not. If they'll play a full half of football, that might be this week's game. And then next week's game, they may play like a quarter or a couple possessions just to get out there and run around. But I, I if you ask me, I think week three is going to be the dress rehearsal. I think mm. they're going to continue to ramp up. Uh, the, I, I pretty much speculated before the first preseason game that, the offense is going to get two possessions if they, you know, perform well. If they go three and out, three and out, then they're going to stay out there. But they were they looked sharp. They went out. They moved the football in both possessions. So they came out after two. The defense got two possessions. They came out. That was my prediction. My prediction for the second game is going to be that they get about a quarter and a half, you know, maybe a quarter. Again, it all depends on how well they, look. they perform. If they go out mm-hmm. there and they move it right up and down the field and they score and the defense is getting off the field, three and out, three and out, three and out. It may just be a quarter, but if they struggle a bit, if they the defense is having issues, they may stay out there a little bit longer, maybe a quarter and a half. And then I think week three's game versus the Ravens is that game they play a half of football. So I, I'm stuck. I'm sticking to that uh, until otherwise notified. I think that's the way that Ron's going to handle it. And him talking in the presser the other day and, and pretty much saying, you know, the fact that there's two weeks between. The, the last preseason game and the, the start of the regular season. And Washington has it a, a little bit more because it's 15 games. It's 15 because they play on a Saturday. So it's 15 days between that game and the start of the regular season for them. Ron already said it, but guy gets nicked. He's got time to heal. So he's already kind of telling you in his mind, yeah, I, I want to play these dudes. And if somebody get an ankle or something, a, a hammy or whatever, they got time mm-hmm. to heal and be ready for week one. So I think he's going to play them. Okay, that's that would be nice to see. I definitely want to want it to feel a little bit more like a regular season game. Is there a specific player that you're looking out for that you want to see something from? I want to see Diami and St. Juice get some more reps with the ones because mm-hmm. St. Juice is making noise right now. I had Smoot on my pod last week and Smoot mm-hmm. told me straight up. He was like, the odds are probably in your favor. Throw a little bit of money on St. Juice for defensive rookie of the year because I'm telling you, that boy is serious. I want to see them run with the one, see them run with some one receivers, maybe run around with Jamar Chase a little bit. That would be nice to see. Well, you're going to see it this week because he's been running with the ones in practice a lot, and they kicked Kendall Fuller into Inside. the slot. So mm-hmm. um, I think you're going to see some of that. You know, I'm not saying right out of the gate, you know, if, if the Bengals come out in 12 personnel, then Kendall Fuller more likely than not is going to be on the outside. But the, the minute they come out in 11 personnel and put that extra receiver on the field, I think you're going to see Kendall slide inside and you're going to see Juice be opposite of William Jackson the third on the outside. So, you know, if the Bengals come out in 11 personnel right off the rip, then you could see, you know, Juice in first play of the game defensively for Washington. That's for Diami. Um, I think the natural progression for him because he plays the exact same position as Terry. Terry. And so the, the real question for him is how fast can he get up to speed on other positions? And, you know, they're going to move Terry around. So Terry won't always be at the X. That'll give the army a chance to get on the field when they move Terry to the Z or Terry into the slot. That'll give Diami opportunity because right now all he really knows is X. That's all he played at North Carolina. So mm-hmm. he's not really comfortable with those other positions right now. You don't want to overload the young fella anyway. So I think, you know, right now for him to get on the field, 
Terry has to be moving around the formation, which they did last year with Terry. So mm-hmm. we know he's fully capable of doing that. So uh, we'll, we'll see Diami get out there a little bit more. We'll see um, a little bit more, I think, in terms of a little of game plan. And everything was vanilla last week. They, oh. And they're not going to want to show anything this week either. But I think you'll see a little bit more this week as far as uh, what the game planning and, and and the play calling is concerned looks like. Now, as far as who I want to see, um, I want to see more of Jared Patterson. Um, I do want to see um, some more. So right now, if I had to guess, Eric Flowers is going to get the start at left guard in this yep. second preseason game. Mm-hmm. So I want to see what he looks like. Cause I wasn't really blown away by either one of those dudes, to be honest with you at left guard. And if, if you you telling me that it's an even playing field, I'm going to just roll with West because I know that dude. You know, mm-hmm. I, I knew Eric Flowers in Bill Callahan's offense, in offensive scheme on the offensive line. I don't know that dude in this offense. So <laughs> I know the dude West was in the offense last year. I know he can get the job done. So I'm, I'm going to just go with the thing that's comfortable. So I want to take a look at him, see what he's doing. I want to see some more Sammy's Reyes. I want to see some more John Bates at tight end. You know, see those guys continue to develop. Um, I also am really excited that Kyle Allen, barring a setback, is going to play. He already came to the podium today and said that he's going to play. Please, God. This week. (laughs) Because I don't think you can get adequate work with Stephen Montez, Montez, quarterback. You cannot. cannot. Watching him for two quarters hurt my eyes, man. Yeah. That was (laughs) was tough to watch, man. So – I'm I'm so glad Kyle Allen is going to play. It's going to allow a lot of these guys to get more reps. And I honestly, I want to see more of DeAndre Carter cuz I'm like, okay, you about to you about to push my boy AGG out the door and make him a practice squad guy. Well, let me see what you got, man, cuz I wasn't like everybody was all blown away and Google Gaga over this dude on punts. I really wasn't like his first punt return, I went back and watched it. It was pretty solid. Like I get it. You know, you, you you get up the field and then they start coming. It ain't no reason to take no hit. Get out of bounds. The second one, he just made a beeline for out of bounds. Like, <laughs> it was a nice return, but I'm like, he just straight ran towards out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And the minute he thought contact was coming, he still got hit. Anyway, uh, he wanted to get out of bounds. So I'm not blown away by him on, on punts. And somebody told me this. I can't confirm nor deny this. So I don't want to put misinformation out there. But somebody told me the dude fumbled five times. Uh, in, you know, in a, in a short period of time, because he's been in the league. I didn't realize until like I started doing some like homework on him. He be, yeah, 2015 was his first <laughs> year in the league. So he's been trying to, you know, find his way in the league. And um, I think he's really been on a roster for three of those six years. So I think in those three years, he's fumbled five times already. If that's mm. the case, he's, he's got an issue too. So <laughs> we're going to see. I want to see more of this dude, man. Um, I'm not sold on him quite yet, but they seem to be. You know, he's been getting first team reps and things of that nature. So I know I'm definitely, I need to see something out of AGG at some point. Like I need yeah, to see I, this dude create some sort of separate. I need to see him not be Josh Doxson because right now, that's the track we're heading on. And we just got Harmon out of here. I need you to show more. I need you to get open. I need you to catch some pass. I need you to make a big play. Show us something because they took yeah. you in the fourth round last year. They're not yeah. just going to keep you around because they took you in the fourth round last year. You got to show yeah. us something. I'm looking for more yeah. reps yeah. Of, Sam, of more reps of Sam Cosme. I want to mm-hmm. see him. I want to see him mix it. I want to see some put someone on their ass. I would love to see him play for a whole half of football. And mm-hmm. It's too early to panic, but I think even if it's a preseason game, playing against your old team means something. I need to see William Jackson look more comfortable on defense because he getting his shit mixed up in practice right now. Like even mm-hmm. AGG's giving him work in practice right now. Mm-hmm. I need to see him look comfortable where he's at and make a play or two in the game just to just to keep the panic meter down. Because I'm not going to panic over some one-on-one reps in practice, but... We remember how the Josh Norman thing started. And I don't want us on that same track because he seems like a really good dude. And I'm going to put him in the same category as, as Jano because Jano never was supposed to be a star corner. He was never supposed to be following the other team's best receiver. In Carolina, he was strictly a cover three corner. That's how he made his money. That's where he made his plays. He was a zone corner, and we tried to take him and make him into something that he wasn't. We're doing the opposite here. We're taking a man dog, all right, a dog in man coverage, and we're trying to 
we trying to tame them. Hey, 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 you know, don't bite, don't bite. All right, just calm down. Mm-hmm. All right, I want you to play some zone, man. And he wants to sick him. He wants to attack. And so we're trying to get him to to, to ease up a little bit. And um, I, I, I look, I I'd much rather have a dog that I gotta to to calm down than one that I, I'm over here trying to teach to be a, a trained killer. So I think he's got that mentality. Another guy I don't want to forget is Dustin Hopkins. I I, oh I, I need to see him um, in this game, uh, even on uh, just even on extra points. But I want to see him kick, you know, a forty-eight yard. I want to see him kick a fifty-one yard. I want to see him have to make some field goals. Like I, I purposefully want to see a drive stall out at the thirty, you know, four yard line, and he have to come on the field and attempt a fifty-two yard field goal. Like I'm looking for that because I need to know that he can that, that this process is starting to to take shape uh he went five for five at practice today which is a good sign but I, I that's practice i need to see it in the game and i need to see the consistency of it hell yeah because if, it, if it, he's still struggling in game two they better have some goddamn kickers and trying out on monday but that's all i got for right now man i've appreciated rapping with you today man we mm-hmm. definitely got to do more of this in the future go ahead and plug all your stuff and also another thing like the fact that you could do like five six hour streams i commend mm-hmm. and respect the hell out of that that is that is awesome i don't know how you do that shit but that shit is fire <laughs> yo. so i mean honestly Y'all power that, man. It's, you know, they give me all the ammunition. They're the ones, you know, super chatting and giving me different topics. Now, I, I will I will say, I mean, there are times where somebody just says, yo, what up, man? I, you know, what up, Lou? I'm, I'm here in Virginia Beach, and I'll take that, and I'll talk about some shit that got nothing to do with that for, oh, for yeah. 15 minutes and then realize, okay, I'm rambling over here. You know, I, I didn't, I'm talking about 1992 and the person just said, what's up? You know, what I mean? so, you know, sometimes I catch myself, but you know, at the end of the day, man, it, time flies when you having fun. And anytime I'm talking, you know, with the fam and we, we talking about the burgundy and gold, man, it's, a, it's usually a blast. So it goes by really quickly as far as where you can find me, obviously um, you can find me on the Louis T network. Um, tons of Washington football team content coming at you every single day, just about. So um, subscribe if you haven't already done so there. You can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Louis T Network and find me on IG, Louis T Network underscore. And so, um, I mean, the Louis T Network podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. It's also on YouTube as well. So it's so many different things going on. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all over the place, man. Oh, yeah. And that's what I'm talking about, man. You keep that content churning out. But that's going to do for today's episode of the Rambling About Washington podcast. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Raw Podcast W Rio and at Rio underscore Robinson 91. YouTube channel Rambling with Rio Robinson. Click the bell for notifications and click subscribe. Like and comment under the video so we can get some conversation going. But until next time, hell to the nameless football team. Deuces.